Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you'd like to support the ministries of Rancho Church as we advance the cause of Christ together, you may do so at rancho.tv slash giving. Enjoy. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this experience. I have to tell you, we are having uh, fun this morning. We're actually excited about this. This could be sort of a new level of, of Rancho community. And we're going through this together. And so as a community, we're going to deal with all of the implications of this global pandemic, what it means for us and our families, what it means for our neighbors, and how we can be a part of the global care and global solution. We hope that this streaming service is going to provide some sense of, of normalcy for you, just a rhythm in your life, a rhythm in your family, that we hope that you will thoroughly enjoy. And we also want to encourage you to share this with others, invite people to join our Rancho community through this time. Now, you know that Rancho has a distinctive, many of them. One of them is that we are positive and we are optimistic. This is not about doom and gloom. It's about appropriately dealing with this crisis uh, that the world is going through, but also understanding that God's grace is bringing life, new life, and the future is bright. So we're not going to get deep and dark. We're going to handle what it means to be stressed in this, but we're also going to look forward with great hope and great optimism ahead. And we're doing all we can to help this streaming as part of that. Uh, we thought about maybe I deliver a message from my house in my underwear. Uh, that would be comfortable for me, but probably not comfortable for everybody else. And so the volunteers and staff decided, you know what, we're going to give a full live online experience at our normal worship times uh, every single week. And so you can look forward to that, and, uh, and it's going to be a wonderful time together. Uh, Rancho School has been preparing to go online school. We're not canceling. We're not missing a beat. Uh, we are going online school beginning on Tuesday. And then we're going to focus on caring for people, particularly in those high-risk categories. It's a good time to practice church without walls. Uh, church without walls is kind of a thing throughout the history of the church. Uh, sometimes we've had buildings and sometimes we haven't. And over the next uh, several weeks, we are not going to have a building that's going to be used. And so this is church without walls. Uh, church is not about land and buildings. It's about relationship. Relationship with God by grace, relationship with others by grace as a family of faith. And we're going to get to practice that in some very unique and creative ways. We also want to encourage you to invite your friends and neighbors to view this streaming. Uh, and perhaps if you feel comfortable, bring a couple people over, have a little small uh, intimate viewing time as well. That could be kind of cool if you so uh, see fit. Now, yesterday I had one of my many, many brilliant ideas. I thought, okay, people are going to get um, very comfortable being at home watching live streaming. But church really is about connecting face-to-face -face as well. In fact, we got a couple of comments uh, through the Facebook streaming that, boy, it's a very comfortable seat here today. So in order to um, really get people to come back when the time is right, uh, we're going to have an offer. So security, I'm going to invite security to come on up here. And uh, we have to take this very, very carefully. This is very, very sensitive. But we're thinking that uh, to entice people to get off their couches and to come back, is this safe, secure? Okay. We might offer a free roll of toilet paper for, every, for everybody who comes back. Be careful. You're not supposed to smile, security guard. Get out of here. All right. <laughs> I have no idea if this is funny or not. Nobody's here. So I think next time I'm going to have a laugh track. That's going to make me feel better. Uh, having a little fun is, is good, um, but we also want to appropriately handle the seriousness of this as well because the reality is the world is closed, right? The world is closed. And, um, and, and that's an odd thing for us. We don't really have this kind of experience uh, where we have to do what we've had to do to kind of hunker down for a little while and, and social distancing, those kinds of things. So people do get a little bit stressed and it's entirely understandable. 
Now, you may know that I have this love-hate relationship with 24-7 news coverage, whether they're online or television channels. Uh, we love the information out there. Um, sometimes we don't know where, when we can trust certain things. Um, but during a 24-hour news cycle, the stress that we're already feeling tends to be elevated. The news has the capacity to make a crisis from which they make more money. And, and it's sort of like if a weatherman makes his living reporting the weather and then also has the ability to generate storms, that's kind of what it's like. And so there can be some anxieties that might be fueled by 24-7 news. I'll give you a little example, and I don't want to offend anybody, but this is a real example. Is some people start stocking up on, on water, for instance. And um, I, I was not aware that viruses can shut off water valves, but um, they're stocking up on some water. It may not be a big deal. But then 24-7 news comes in and starts reporting on people stocking up on water. And so people who didn't feel a need to stock up on water are thinking, I'm not planning on stocking up on water. Should I stock up on water? Maybe I will stock up on water. I'm stocking up on water. And, and so the, the kind of anxiety fuels sort of this group think that may or may not be entirely healthy. And so a healthcare crisis becomes a supply chain crisis, right? And, and we can sort of get spun up a little bit. All of it is totally understandable. And our, our community is kind of changing as well, right? Uh, we've got people coming home from college. My kids are home from college right now. And even my daughter, and who is married, they're coming home to stay with us because uh, we've got a little bit bigger house. We've got some elbow room. And so it's becoming a wonderful family environment. And my wife is totally in her element, right? Uh, she is uh, planning, you know, how we run our household because everybody's going to be on online schools, how we plan our meals, how we plan activities together every day. Uh, it's going to be different, but part of this could be fun as well. And we're trying to create this with our church and school. It's trying to create fun, online, well-connected community experiences throughout this crisis. Now, before this world was closed, uh, I was at a gathering of about 80 people, and uh, one of my friends is Taiwanese. And he told us a very interesting fact. He says, I'm kind of wrestling with the Chinese word for crisis. He says the Chinese word for crisis is actually two concepts. It is danger opportunity. It's almost like a compound word the way we would think of it. Crisis is defined as danger opportunity. Now, we know that a crisis isn't a crisis without danger. And we've talked about how this, the, the sense of danger can create some stress, and then the stress is amplified through 24-7 news. The stress can also be amplified when we see daily death counts. I don't want to get too dark, and I won't land here, but very rarely do we have on the news daily death counts. I mean, that's pretty extreme. Uh, we see things like that when it comes to wars. Um, but here we have a, a pandemic with a daily count and, and that's tough. And we need to recognize the power of that. Every life is precious, right? And, and so there's a sanctity there and there's a, an honoring of, of those lives and those families and, and prayers that need to go up. Um, but that does add to the stress. And, and then you have this all taking place in the teeth of an election. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. And now the political parties are, are at war with each other over this and trying to score political points. And so anxieties rise. Um, my anecdotal experience over the last several weeks, kind of managing a church of our size and, and a large school and, and a rescue mission that provides, uh, you know, tangible help to over a thousand people a month. There's a lot to sort of navigate and a lot of decisions to be made. And in my experience, there are a, a good number of people who are actually calm and they're trying to remain calm. But then there's a chunk of people whose anxieties are kind of rising. And then, and then the people that are calm are thinking, well, maybe I should be more anxious. And then again, it just kind of spins. 
Now, the good news for us as believers in a good God and followers of Jesus, and, and we have the Bible, God's word, there's a lot of comfort that we can glean from our relationship with God and from the Bible. In fact, as I was doing some thinking this week, it became just remarkably clear to me that the entire Bible was written in crisis. The entire Bible was written in the context of crises. So you can imagine as we read God's word that the things that pour to us from that page could give us a lot of hope when we're going through our own crisis. Here are the crises of the Bible. These are just a few of them, right? Page three of the Bible is, is representing the decay of humankind through pride and violence and greed and power. And then you get to the call of Abram to start a new family, the tribe of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. And all that is about their woefully dysfunctional family. And then there's the crisis of the famine that hits the land of Canaan. They've got to go to Egypt. Then there's the crisis of slavery in Egypt. And then the crisis of wandering in the wilderness after 400 years of slavery. Then constant war in the land of Canaan. And then the faithlessness and division that goes on in the tribes of Israel. So the Assyrians come in and wipe out 10 tribes of the, of the north. Then the Babylonians take two tribes into exile. And then there's the crisis of a lifeless religion that just is churning in the Jewish people and it's going nowhere, right? And then in that crisis, Jesus comes on the scene and his entire ministry is a crisis of he and his disciples being rejected, right? And then the crisis of the crucifixion and then the threats to his early church and then the early church in a heartbeat starts dividing over racial lines and traditional lines and then the church gets persecuted from the Jews and from the Romans the entire Bible cover to cover is in the context of crisis, ending in the book of Revelation, where the apostle John is actually writing from prison on the island of Patmos himself in exile. That's the context of the Bible. And so for us to live in a, in a period of some crisis for a period of time, we can glean so much from the Bible. Jesus said this as he was living in the crisis of his own rejection, as his disciples were living in the crisis of fear, as Jesus was facing the crisis of the cross. Listen to what he says. You can have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. What an amazing thing for Jesus who is about to be crucified to teach us. In his own crisis, he teaches us, you can be at peace. And he promises this world will be full of troubles. This world will be full of crises. That's a promise of God. Sometimes we don't claim that very often. Jesus promises that this world will be full of trouble. But in all of that, he says, you can be at peace in me. Now, sometimes the world does go sideways. Wars ravage, disasters strike, the earth trembles, storms rage, diseases spread. But Jesus says, take heart. Take heart. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. So here's a question for today. How do we be in a crisis? How do we be in a crisis? Now, all the English teachers uh, online are, are, you know, kind of shaking the computer. Treadway, learn your grammar. Um, I did that intentionally. The question isn't how we are. How we are has to do with the external behavior. Sometimes, you know, we want to behave externally well, but what's more important is, is who we are in the midst of a crisis. So who have you been in this crisis so far? Who have you been in this crisis so far? Now, some of us might be able to say, you know what, I've, I've been okay. I, I'm trying to be peaceful in this crisis. 
I'm trying to be smart, make right decisions, but also remain calm. Some of you might say, I'm trying to be selfless. As hard as it is to just look out for me and my family, I'm trying to be selfless in this season. Some of you might say, I'm trying to be trusting in this crisis, to trust God, to trust his presence, to trust his word. And some of us have been resting on Philippians chapter four, and this is one of the great promises of the New Testament about peace in the time of crisis. In fact, the Apostle Paul is writing this from a Roman prison where he's facing either crucifixion or beheading. That's his future. And he writes this in Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Now get this. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. But it's not easy to live into that promise sometimes. The reality is, if we were to be honest, some of us might say, you know what, I'm not very peaceful in this crisis. I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm on the edge. Some of us might say, I haven't been very selfless. And perhaps there's some regrets already that you've been looking out for you and yours, but you might have treated people harshly or you, or you might have taken things for yourself. I'm not very trusting in this crisis. So some of us might say, you know what? I believe in God, but I'm not feeling his presence. I'm not feeling these promises during this time. I, I perhaps need to trust him more. I just wanna encourage you, don't beat yourself up over these feelings. They're normal and they're natural, but perhaps we can walk a journey of being a little better. Um, I've told you about uh, uh, one of my dogs a couple of weeks ago. I'm gonna tell you about three of them. I have three dogs. Two of them are outside dogs. We love them, they're a little weird, but they're outside dogs, they're golden retrievers, and they've always been outside. Uh, we've had them for years. Uh, we, when we had a little more property, they were running around and, and they were protecting the place. They're supposed to kind of guard the place and, and guard some chickens. And um, however, they failed at their job and let a coyote in who wiped out our, our chickens, four of them. I know that's very, very sad. So they're kind of hit and miss, but we do love them. They're golden retrievers. They're outside dogs. Now, uh, we were in the process of, of kind of downsizing a little bit as our kids are getting married and off to college. And so we sold the house that we raised our kids in. And so there's some emotion around that. And, and we had to sort of pacify our youngest who's in middle school. And the last minute negotiation was we're gonna get a multi-poo, an indoor dog. We've never had an indoor dog. Multi-poos don't shed, come on in. So now we have this dilemma. We have two outside dogs and one inside dog. Now I just want you to imagine what goes on in the, in the souls of these dogs. Let's just assume they have souls. Um, I wanna show you Bella. This is Bella, one of our retrievers. I know it's so sad. She spends way too much of her life Sadly, looking from the outside in. I know all you pet lovers, I'm gonna get so many comments on this. Let your dogs inside. No, they shed. We're not gonna do that. And they've got a sweet outside gig, right? They've got property, they've got foliage. The garage is always open, so they've got the suite set up in the garage. I mean, they're fine. But this poor Bella, we can't talk around it. We, we tried, I've sat down with Bella eye to eye. Hey, honey, you gotta do better than this. Look at your world. But all you're doing is looking sadly inside a window and usually staring at the multi-poo who is gloating about the life that, that she has. Why do I say this? Because in the time of crisis, sometimes we could look sort of sadly at the things we don't have. There's been some loss, there's been some fear, and let's own that and let's experience that in a healthy way. But let's not just look sadly into that window. Let's look around. What do we have? We have amazing things. We've got food, we've got clothes, We've got shelter. We've got a family. It may not be a perfect family, but we've got family. 
We've got some good friends, right? There's a lot of things to be excited about, right? So how do we be in a crisis? Maybe we can say, you know what, I'm feeling these normal, natural human emotions, but God, would you help me walk a journey to be at peace? Walk a journey to be selfless, to be trusting, to be ready, not just to endure or handle well the dangers, but to also look for the opportunities. Remember, the Chinese word for crisis is two things, danger and opportunity. A crisis isn't a crisis without opportunity. There's a few opportunities that are right in front of us right now. One of them is that we have the opportunity for appropriate lightheartedness. We, we don't want to mishandle the seriousness of this current crisis, but we also don't want to be succumbed by it. We don't want to be drowned by it, right? We want to be appropriately lighthearted. Uh, and, and so, you know, I would encourage us to, to laugh. I know as our family's back at home, we are doing a lot of laughing. I mean, if you were around our house yesterday with everybody back home, everybody's sharing memes and videos and comedians, and, and uh, we're FaceTiming with friends and family, and everybody's just belly laughing. We spent most of the day yesterday laughing. And, and, and it's appropriate to be able to say, you know what, this is having some, some impact, and some of it we can laugh about. For example, coronavirus has done the impossible it's made Costco even worse. That's funny. I have one person laughing in this auditorium. It's kind of funny. It's okay. Here's another one. Maybe some of you are Big Bang fans. All of a sudden, we've all become Sheldon, all right? I wouldn't necessarily recommend horror movies, but this one I thought was kind of funny. Uh, I've got hand sanitizer down here. For the first time in human history, we want to be toilet papered. Thank God my house was TP'd, right? Here's a funny one. What me, me and my boys are doing this weekend. We're going to hijack a Charmin truck. Oh, yes. So it's okay, to, it's okay to laugh, right? It's okay to have some levity. In fact, Proverbs 14, 13 says this. Laughter can hide a heavy heart, but when the laughter ends, grief remains. And so it's okay to, to have there be some anxiety and even some grief, but let the laughter come. Let the fun come. Plan on how you can maybe, uh, you know, separate yourself from 24-7 news, right? Just engage there a few times a day so you know what's going on. But then plan activities in your house. Take a little walk. Get some fresh air. You know, be with family virtually and laugh. Have fun. In fact, science even says laughter is, is so good for the health. Laughter relaxes the whole body. Laughter boosts the immune system. Laughter triggers and releases endorphins, and we need those endorphins. Laughter protects the heart. Laughter lightens anger and heavy loads because we can kind of be on edge. Laughter may even help you live longer. So these are, are fun things to realize. It's not just good to laugh, it's healthy to laugh. Second, a crisis can be an opportunity to build stronger family bonds. Connect with your family as much as you can. You pile in the house with them, phone and text extended family. But I also want to urge us, for those of us who may have families that aren't in the perfect category, right? We have some dysfunction. We have some tension. I want to urge you to use this opportunity to say I'm sorry. If you need to apologize to a family member, now is the time to do it. If you need to ask forgiveness, now is the time to do it. If you need to extend forgiveness, now is the time to do it. If there's a grudge that you have between somebody and you haven't spoken in a while, this is the time. Send a text. I'm going to give you the formula. Send a text that says, I've been thinking about you. Press send. And just see what comes back. 
Sometimes it's that one first effort that can break down a wall that's been between family members for years, sometimes a decade or more. One text, you know I'm thinking about you. The other person might say, thank God you reached out and I'm gonna say thinking about you too. And all of a sudden we have reconciliation. No way to promise that, but start. It'll be so good to just start because family is our pride. Family is our crown. I love how King Solomon put this in Proverbs 17. He says, children... And children's children are the crowning glory of the aged. Parents are the pride of their children. Family is our crown. Family is our pride. Family is everything. For so many of us, break down the walls of tension. Break down the walls of bitterness. Connect with your family. Be kind. Forgive quickly. Don't snap at each other, right? Use this crisis as an opportunity to build stronger family bonds. Third, a crisis can be an opportunity to care for strangers. Now, we've seen on the news the best and worst of humanity. I have seen with my own eyes the best and worst of humanity during this crisis. It was maybe about a week ago when things started getting a little bit tense locally in California here, and, um, and I was at a taco shop. I, I visit every taco shop frequently. I have my favorites. I was at one of my favorites, and I was waiting for my delicious and nutritious tacos and uh, just sitting there, and one gentleman across the restaurant coughed just a little, probably more clearing the throat kind of cough. Immediately, another gentleman by himself shouted across the restaurant, what the blank are you doing here if you're sick? Immediately, the place was tense. This person immediately shouted, it was just a blanking cough, blank you, and said, can't somebody clear their throat? And these people stood up, and me and one other guy just kind of stood in the middle. I took one, the other took the other, and let's calm down, we're all kind of tense, calm it down, and over time, they actually started communicating with each other. They didn't quite apologize, uh, but they were communicating with each other, trying to tone it down. And so that was, I think, the best of humanity, followed <laughs> immediately by the worst of, of humanity. And so it's good for us to really recognize how are we going to be? Let's be kind even to strangers. I saw the best of humanity. I was flying home a couple of days ago, and I know oh, Treadway's unclean. He flew in an airplane. I affectionately called it the flying COVID can, so just to kind of make light of it. And, uh, and as we were on the airplane, maybe it was about a ha uh, half, half full, there was a medical emergency that took place right in the middle of the airplane. It was, it was regarding a child. The child was in some serious trouble. And I'll just spare you details, but it was a mess. It was, it was a mess. It was gross. And immediately I thought to myself, how is this plane going to react? Here we're already stressed. Somebody clears their throat. Everybody tenses up in, in the plane. And here is this major medical, medical emergency from a child that is making quite a mess. What are we going to do? And I've got to tell you, everybody was wonderful. I saw the best of humanity take place. The flight attendants did their job professionally and kindly. Everybody who was around that scene was taking care of the family members, bringing comfort, bringing calm. Some people were praying. It was just kind of a team effort. We all kind of worked together to, to bring comfort, to bring care, and to clean the place up. What an amazing ministry to that, to that plane. We were facing, you know, diversions, and we didn't know about travel bans, and yet there was a care for this child and this child's family. The best of humanity. I love Hebrews 13 too. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. 
This is a fun passage and people don't really have any idea what to do with it, but this concept is kind of interesting that, that God is in the stranger. Somehow God and God's presence and God's kingdom is in the stranger. And so it's normal for us to look out for us and ours, but when we interact with a stranger, God is uniquely present in that interaction. It's fascinating. So for us to get our heads around this idea that how we behave to the stranger means so much in terms of how really we view God. This is an opportunity to deepen our care for strangers. And then finally, a crisis is an opportunity to deepen our global community. This one might be the hardest. This might be the hardest. I wanna put this on the screen. Everyone in every nation matters equally. Sit with that for a while. Everyone in every nation matters equally. This is very difficult to accept. Our normal human nature is my family, my needs, then the rest of humanity, and then my enemies are out there somewhere. What if we were to walk a journey? It's hard, it's gonna take time, it's gonna take deep prayer, it's gonna take a real obsession on the life and ministry of Jesus. But if we can get to a point where we have the heart of God that says everyone, everywhere, Every nation, every ethnicity, every religion matters equally to God and matters equally to us. There's this incredible vision in Revelation which expresses the heart of God for his world that he loves so much. This vision of everybody equally enjoying each other is the vision of the kingdom of heaven. Here's how it's said in Revelation. I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. You know what this image means? And this is not about life after death. This is a vision of life right here and right now. That every tribe, every tongue, every nation be connected in relationship. Everyone is wearing white. You know what that means? That God's forgiving grace is given freely. None of us have to earn it, right? And there's a connection and a closeness. We all understand the grace of God, the love of God through Jesus, and we're waving palm branches. What does that mean? We're at peace. We're at peace. And with every year that passes, the world is getting closer. With every new technology that binds us closer together, the world is, is getting in more deeply connected relationship, right? And with every crisis, with every global crisis, we have the opportunity to build a deeper global community. It's so easy to fight that. Let's get in our safe corners. Let's not do that. Let's take this opportunity to build a global community. That's the heart of God, right? Ephesians 2.14 says this, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. That's the job of Jesus, to bring peace among the nations. Listen, he says he united all people into one. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. So now... You are no longer strangers. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Get this. We are carefully joined together in Christ. We are carefully joined together. All tribes, all tongues, all nations. Let's not separate into our safe corners. Let's be vulnerable. Let's look out for everyone. That's what Jesus did for us. What nationality was Jesus? He was a Jew. Jews by culture, as was true in most other ancient cultures, hated everybody that wasn't a Jew. They were the enemy. In fact, in Jesus' context, the Romans had invaded. So everybody that wasn't a Jew was literally an enemy. They were supposed to hate the Gentiles. In fact, the, the phrase that was going around the time of Jesus, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That was considered the highest morality. What did Jesus say? 
Love your neighbor and love your enemy. Love the Gentiles, love the Romans, serve them, right? Wow, that's different. That is so different. Let's be as different as Jesus. And the cross made that possible. Jesus by the cross brought love and grace to everybody everywhere. We can do the same. Let's pray. Our God and Father, help us to care for each other in this crisis. Help us to look out for each other. Help us to also have peace. Peace in your love, peace in your presence. That we would see more than the danger of this crisis, we would see the opportunity to enjoy our families, to trust you, to laugh, to connect, to mend broken relationships, to care for the strangers, and to unite our global community. We embrace the love and the forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. Help us to share that with the world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Last thing, we're back next week. Back next week with a whole new series that's uh, really embracing this party that Jesus calls all people to celebrate. So even in the midst of crisis, we're gonna celebrate. God bless you, see you next week.